You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Dr. Seuss has this story about the star belly sneeches. And if you're unfamiliar with it, there are these sneeches, and some of them have stars on their bellies and some don't. And because they had stars, all the star belly sneeches would brag, we are the best kind of sneeches on the beaches. And they wouldn't hang out with sneeches without stars. And lo and behold, this man comes to town and he says, I can solve all of your problems for merely $3. A magical machine can give you a star on your stomach. So all the sneeches without stars got stars on their stomachs, and now all the sneeches had stars, and nobody felt special. So then the man went to all the original sneeches with stars and said, I can solve this for nearly $10. I can remove your star, and you will be special again. And this goes back and forth and back and forth until they decide that sneeches are sneeches, and no kind of sneech is the best on the beaches. That day, all the sneeches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon theirs. Everybody wants to be special. You know, I was in Las Vegas this last weekend for a family wedding, and I, I went to this cool third-wave coffee shop. I ordered my drink of choice, an eight-ounce Americano, and the man behind the counter corrected me, and he said, you know, actually, it's called a long black which in Australia is a coffee drink. It's essentially the same exact thing. It's just whether or not you put the water in before the coffee or the coffee in before the water makes it an Americano or a long black. Essentially, he was challenging my coffee snobbery. So I one-upped his snobbery with some snobbery and said, well, it actually depends on where you're at because in Portland, they call those little buddies or even Bill Murray's, which is true. He did not know this. I out-coffee snobbed the coffee snob. And ultimately, what it really comes down to is people want to find their own way of being special. At the end of the day, it's hot water with two shots of coffee. And if you want to call it a long black, a little buddy, or even a Bill Murray, be my guest. But at the end of the day, it's coffee. We all want to feel special. A wise person once said, you know, if everyone is special, no one's special. That was Syndrome from The Incredibles. We've been in this study through the book of Colossians, and the Colossians are experiencing cultural pressure to synchronize their faith in Jesus with other gods, rules, and traditions, forms of spiritual disciplines, in order to distinguish themselves, in order to feel special. So we're going to jump into the book in Colossians 2.13. Paul writes, You were dead because of your sins and because of the sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. This is very reminiscent of what he wrote in Romans 3.21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith into Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, 
For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. He's establishing that no longer are we distinguished by the law, but we're distinguished by faith in Jesus and in Him alone. So because of that, he begins to address some of these ways that the Colossians are adding to that in order to distinguish themselves and to be special. Continuing in 16, he says, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or you drink, for not celebrating holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Paul is calling out rules and traditions as a way of making us special. You know, for a long time, the people of God had the law, and the law was given through Moses as a way for people to interpret what was good and what was wrong, what was right. And the law ultimately was to lead people towards Jesus and his coming. But what happened, the law became this tool of control and corruption, this way of deciding who was in and who was out, who was special and who was not special. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, we have Pharisees, they're these, the keeper of the law, the, the determiners of who is in and out. These people stewarding this gift, the law that is supposed to help them be prepared and see Jesus when he comes, they ultimately miss Jesus altogether because they're so caught up in who is special and who is not special. And Jesus comes and he says, you're missing it. And it, it disrupts their system so much that they actually murder him on a cross because of it. So Paul is challenging these people, don't get caught up in adding the traditions and these things as a way of distinguishing yourself. The law has been fulfilled in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of it. And through him is access to righteousness. Then Paul continues in 18, he said, Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. Another translation says, unspiritual minds has made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. I had this lady in my life that would um, have these visions and get these words from the Lord. And I was working at this coffee shop and she came in one time with a popsicle and she said, uh, I brought you a popsicle. And at this point, I kind of was used to these interactions and I said, uh, no, you didn't. Why are you here? She said, that's true. I'm here because I have a word from the Lord. And she said, you're about to enter through this really tight space. And in order to get to the other side of this tight space, you're going to have to let go of all the things that you care about and have carried with you and are holding on. And uh, I, I said, well, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I said, uh, and I, at this point, you know, she had shared things that were true or resonated with me. So I, I believe there was something to what she was saying. And I said, I, I believe there's something to what you're saying, but I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Like, I just feel anxious now and like have all this anxiety about like, what am I supposed to do with what you're saying? And she quickly will, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. No, what I'm what I'm getting at is that, you know, God wants to reveal more about who he is and how much he loves you to you. To which I said, Well, why couldn't you just say that? <laughs> I mean, I remember feeling like, well, this person must be way closer to God than I am, because I mean, she hears God's audible voice and has these visions, and then I don't have that. 
and and it made her seem very special and me seem very unspecial. And what I've later come to believe is, you know, we all hear God's voice in different ways, and God speaks to me differently than He speaks to to her, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Paul is he's cautioning against using spiritual gifts or getting caught up maybe in feeling like, well, this person is more special because they have this gift. Paul goes on in t- verse 20, he says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no actual help in conquering a person's evil desires. Paul's cautioning against using discipline as a form of making us special. Paul's likely speaking to the practice of asceticism, which is characterized by severe self-discipline and abstinence from all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. It even seems like Paul is quoting a specific teacher when he says, don't taste, don't touch, don't handle. They're in quotes. It's almost like there's been someone who's teaching this form of self-denial as a way of being special, a higher form of spirituality. There is a difference between choosing self-discipline or sobriety or withholding for our own health or for our own choosing and looking down on someone who partakes as though we're better or more special than them because you don't. This, as Paul says, is not conquering your evil desires. It's actually fueling your pride and self-righteousness. You know, the opposite of addiction is actually not sobriety. It's connection. Sobriety or withholding or self-discipline are very necessary, very healthy tools when we're struggling with something, but they don't ultimately heal what is underneath. And Paul is cautioning against the self-deception that happens when we choose self-discipline as a way of making ourselves special. Again, most of these things are not bad. It's only when we attach our identity to them that they deceive us. I want to pause and I want to talk about how we approach Paul's writings really quick and how we apply what he's saying to us to to our life right now. Many of you, like me, may have a hard time with Paul. I came from a church where Paul was Jesus 2.0. In fact, it may be even more influential than Jesus at times. It was like what Jesus said and what Paul said. And I always had a hard time with how we would pick and choose which rules we could ignore and which ones we had to follow. You know, women don't need to cover their heads uh, anymore, but they can't preach. (laughs) And I always just had a really difficult time. And I think when we approach Paul in this way, I think we're misreading him. Paul is not Jesus 2.0. He's not Jesus, and then we add Paul's rules, just like he's cautioning the Colossians not to do on top of following Jesus as this new thing to be special, but rather... Paul is an opportunity to look at how a leader of the early church tried to figure out how to practically live out the teachings in the way of Jesus amongst community and the cultural problems that they were having. And as you read Paul, you'll see Paul changes his mind sometimes. He tries things. They don't don't work. He addresses conflict. He's trying to figure out how to live out the way of Jesus in their context. And from that vantage point, there is a lot we can learn from Paul, and there's a lot we can take from his teachings and apply it to our lives today. 
So why is Paul addressing this? The work of Jesus on the cross is for everyone. When we add our man-made traditions and hold them over others or allow others to hold them over us, when we add our things that make us special in an attempt to be special, we undo the work of Jesus by making it exclusive again. Jesus came to break down the walls of exclusivity, to take away the things that separated us, to, to make it so that anyone and everyone had an opportunity to come and be a part of the family of God. And the Colossians and this attempt of finding their own little niche to be distinguished and be special are making it exclusive again. And they're missing the work of Jesus on the cross. We all want to be special, all of us, whether it's what we call our coffee to all sorts of things. We wanna find our tribe. I wanna talk a little bit about tribalism. Tribalism goes all the way back to the beginning of human history. We wanna find our tribe. We wanna find the people we identify with. And, and yes, it serves the purpose of feeling not alone. It serves the purpose of feeling that there is, you know, that what we believe is, is right. But it also does this interesting thing. It, it lowers our anxiety by being able to identify the enemy. Uh, even if I can't control it, I feel a little bit better knowing that person is the reason why things are going wrong or why our world is the way that it is. And it's this temporary relief of anxiety that helps us navigate that. This makes it difficult to get to know people that think differently than us because if my friend who's in the opposite tribe turns out not to be the problem, I'm left with more existential dread than before. And the real problem with this is that we are called to love our enemies. Tribalism is about identifying and belonging. We are to find our identity in Christ, our belonging in the fellowship of his suffering. God's people were chosen to be set apart by their traditions and circumcision and the law. And then Jesus came and he changed everything. He said, a way apart from the law has been made known so that anyone who believes in me and follows me, the way of the cross, the way of laying our life down for even our enemies. And I think even today as Christians, we can think that being set apart means that we're set apart because of our Christian morals or our ethics rather than love and servanthood and humility. What we feel makes us special is where we place our identity. And Paul is warning the Colossians and us against the deception of placing our identity in anything other than Jesus. Paul ends this section with this. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory, in all his specialness. This teaching fits so nicely next to George's and Peter's the week before about laying down our opinions for the sake of unity. We live in this time, especially with social media, where that Finding that thing that distinguishes us, that helps us stand out, that makes us special, being a part of the right tribe, being on the right side of an issue is so important. And Paul is reminding us, we do not serve the pressures and the power of this world. We serve Jesus. And because of Jesus, we lay down those things. So I want to challenge you with this. 
Take some time this week and reflect. What are the things in your life that you hold on to that make you feel special or distinguished? What is the star upon ours that makes you the best sneeches on the beaches? And how can we bring that to the foot of Jesus and allow him to reprioritize that in our life, to reorient towards him so that we can love and serve the people around us, even our enemies? I hope this sermon has been challenging and encouraging, and I hope you chew on it during the week. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.